Hi, I'm Monse, and this is Musings of the Artist, a podcast where I have meaningful conversations with all kinds of artists, musicians, writers, painters, photographers, and other creatives share their honest stories, touching on the duality of being creative, the pure joy of making art, but also the particular struggles that come with it. Things end, and sometimes they almost end, and your your job through it all is to not get too tripped up. Zach Clark is a singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist based in Nashville. After seven years traveling the world as a member of Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Zach is leaving the band and heading out on his own with new music on the way. While co-writing on each Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness record, Zach has released two solo records as well, I Am Guest and Young Volcanoes. We recently sat down in LA and talked books, music, rock bottoms, and a whole lot more. So let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Zach Clark. Um, so where I like to start is um, just telling everybody what you do professionally. You're a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. Multi I can't get that word out. <laughs> um, and we'll talk a bit about all of that, but beyond what you do, how would you describe who you are and how you move through the world? Hmm, that's a great question. And I consider myself to be something of an amateur metaphysical anthropologist. I'm always moving and I'm most excited about almost more than I'm excited about writing or playing music, excited about how people go about the extraordinarily strange proposition of being alive and how people go through their everyday lives in different parts of the world and different towns and different ways of life. And so I'm, I'm an explorer in that mm. sense and a, and a guy who attempts to dance through different communities and, and be a fly on the wall and hopefully a positive contributor. That's a great answer. I love that. Um, Thanks. Yeah. And how, so you, you are just in the middle of transitioning actually a part into a part, different part of your career. Um, and I, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. And also just w because you're doing so much and you have so much on the horizon right now, like what, is, what are you really most excited about? Oh my God. Um, well, it's so funny because I don't know what's on the horizon and maybe that's what's most exciting to me now. You know, that there is no safety net of there will be a big summer tour right? because that's the mechanism at hand. And that's never guaranteed anyway. You know, my my time with Andrew McMahon in the wilderness has, has ebbed and flowed as any yearly schedule does with a band or any kind of and you started with him was it seven years ago almost exactly seven years okay. ago. yeah it's a long I, time. I flew out here in december of 2012 to start learning 40 songs for a tour with fun in early 2013 and uh yes yeah, so i've been playing with andrew and that gang since then and yeah every year is different but at the same time there's something so exciting about really having to rely on myself 
and my own intuition as far as what's going to be right and knowing that maybe less activity is going to be right and mm. being at home being at the piano seeing what to make of the last few years it's exciting to me i always write on the road but i don't assemble on the road mm -hmm. and so yeah i'm excited to make a record i'm excited to i'm excited to be self-reliant mm -hmm. in whatever way presents itself awesome so, so before we hit record you were telling me about how you tend to get deep real fast with people mm -hmm. um as do I, I think. <laughs> and um, so I'm going to get real deep with you now. So can you can you tell me about if 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 you can think of one, if one, something comes to mind about a time in your life that was a real rock bottom moment um, or period and how you came out of it and what really what what were the breakthroughs that that you learned? Hmm. Wow. I mean, I've had a couple that I would consider to be low point fulcrums <laughs> of mm. sorts um, that one was in my very early childhood. I was 13 when my mom died. Mm. And I mean, that bottom has kind of been a, been a part of my life since, you know, it's been yeah, a thread. Um, and Another was in my early mid-twenties, right when I started playing with Andrew. Um, I was mugged in Oakland at gunpoint. And, Ooh, you know, a, a single shot was fired. I thought I was dead. I got hit so many times over the head and woke up like a scene from a movie in a pool of blood on a porch with the whole neighborhood around me, like, wow. which was kind of comical when the first question that was asked was like, man, was that your first time? Wow. <laughs> it's kind of like, welcome to Oakland, dude. Um, and those two moments for me form this same lesson that, that recurs as a daily meditation, which is things end and sometimes they almost end and your your job through it all is to not get too tripped up and not get too worried about being worried mm. too hurt by feeling hurt mm -hmm. you know try not to let pain become suffering try not to let worry become pain mm. or for yourself or for other people around you um yeah, I I think somehow those two are connected. It felt to me in a very weird way, and I don't know that I've ever voiced this to anyone. I, When I was mugged, I almost felt like it was my mom whacking me wow. on the side of the head and being like, dude, you're here. Be grateful. You're already here. You know, like you're so worried about when you'll get to this nebulous there mm. but you're there right you know wow. i wish you hadn't hit me so hard but you know i think it made me kinder if i'm yeah. being honest yeah. i don't know if it's brain damage or <laughs> or or perspective shift or if yes. that's tomato tomato but 
That's so interesting. Yeah, I think it's um. That's why I kind of asked about the rock bottom because I think so um, many people. That's where the the real growth, of course, happens. You know, and um, I, and it's back to what you're saying about the, feeling the pain. And I think there is some. Um, there is something in importance in allowing yourself to feel sad and to feel the pain. One thing I'm learning, because for me it's like anxiety is kind of my crippling thing, and um, I've been thinking lately about what can I do with, what could I do with all that time that the wheels are spinning, you know? Mm. It could open up so much more to my life, you know? So um, I, I'm just sort of like sitting in that, that middle place of like I think it's important to feel and let yourself sort of not suppress the feelings that's super important but it's also um equally important to 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 really be conscious of it and just like like think about what else you could be filling that space with you know well yeah and i think in inherent in that is finding the the point between being totally mindless of your right unique way of being yeah. and being so conscious of it that you destroy yourself that's right judging it that's right and that's in between right. is this like really cool thing where you just let your body and your your being buzz the way it buzzes and see how to ride that totally you know yeah i i, I love as it seems like as each year progresses, I just get, I settle in a little more into yes. how weird I am. Yes. And I'm just like, and that's yeah, the beauty cool. of getting older, I think. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is how, this is me. And we are, we are all weird, quote unquote weird. You know, totally. we all are complex people. And I mean, the people that look the most put together, I mean, I think on the outside, like they have a lot going on underneath that, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, I think people, that do have it completely together are kind of boring, you know? I think there's, um, I don't know, for me, I'm most attracted to people that are complex and that have a lot of depth and layers and, you know. I'm terrified, at least to some extent, by anyone who seems and wants to project an air of being all buttoned up. Right. Zipped right. up. It's right. like, ooh, that's, there's something hidden here. Absolutely, that absolutely. I prefer not to have burst forth right let it right. let it show yeah and then you know yeah all right at least i like to look at it as just trying to as much as i can encourage people who do feel like they need to kind of wear that mask like slowly learn how to take that off you know mm. um i mean there's certain parts of myself too that i'm still learning how to to show expose you know and like yeah um just i just wish we could all just be a little bit more encouraging to each other to just be mm. who we are at our core, you know, and which is always, which is evolving too, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that might be, that might be a decent enough paraphrase of another answer to, to your first question, which is like, I really hope that I can help, you know, any number of people to, to just take a deep breath and yeah. be themselves be inspired to be whatever they are and that by by opening that channel up I meet more people like yourself and and like the people that I feel so lucky to have around me in spirit and and in proximity um, that the world is going to be a better place even incrementally totally. because we're all just kind of like you know we're we're letting it happen 
we're being. You know, I want to, um, along those lines, you've worked with so many interesting people. Um, and maybe you can start by talking a little bit about your relationship with Andrew, just because from what I, I sense is a really special bond you guys have. Oh my God. Yeah. So I would love to kind of unpack that a little bit and tell us like what about that relationship or about him, um, has been really so special to you. How much time you got? <laughs> I mean, well, I was a, I grew up such a fan of Andrews, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I was a kid that didn't listen to anything popular until I was probably like just old enough to really be desperate to be cool and liked and mm. like late middle school, early high school. But like when kids were bringing like their older brothers crisscross tape into school, I was like, yo, I got Dan Fogelberg's 1981 double LP the innocent age on yes. CD for Christmas. So what's up? And everyone was like, that is very weird. That's very weird. That's a, that's an old man's it. album. That you're, to you're six. And so when Andrew kind of popped into my periphery, it was at this time when, if I'm being honest, I just listened to a lot of stuff that was probably objectively very bad sounding music. That was like, what I thought was cool. Right. And what I right. thought the cool kids were listening to or what seemed just detached and ironic enough that it would work for, you know, a teenage angsty self. And Andrew showed up on a compilation of maybe some music that was kind of in that realm. And he kind of was this totally different era and a totally different heft as far as his writing and his to me as a young kid his importance it seemed like he was really loving what he was doing and putting his his self into what he was doing in a way that at that point in my life I was I was just learning how to cultivate that expression sonically and making I guess you'd call them records mm -hmm. in my parents' basement and, and kind of hiding them from people because I didn't think it was cool to mm -hmm. express it. And I played piano and there was no way to carry that out of the house or do shows or anything. And I, had, I, I just had no concept of how to connect my love for Jackson Brown and Dan Fogelberg and these, these wizards of the, the kind of early days of pop folk songwriting to what was contemporary and Andrew hit me that way like mm. a, a guy who was writing literate poetic pop songs mm -hmm. that I felt could be on the radio but also could hang you know in a in a frame on a on a wall of of you know the great lyrics of our time yeah and Long-windedly, that is to say, I also, around that time, just started to kind of like build a life for myself where I've sought out the people that I'm a fan of and oh, awesome. wanted to try my best to really only work with people that I find myself to be an absolute just super fan of yeah. and try and encourage people to do the same. Definitely. You know? and, and 
with my project work with people who who feel connected deeply to the music and aren't just like yeah cool I'll chart it out and I'll right, play with you right. you know but yeah I think when when Andrew and I met it was very much on the like I'm a fan so great to meet you level and yet Andrew's response to me kind of geeking out as a fan was like oh you're Zach Clark I've heard your record Aww. some people who like your music and like my music yeah. have passed me your record and we got to meet on that level and yet still it was like you know super fan backstage kind yeah. of vibe and I would say like biannually I would text him or call him and be like I think a fifth guy in Jack's mannequin would be great <laughs> I know just the guy, you know, maybe some extra that. keys. Yes. And yeah. And then finally it just kind of happened. happened. Oh, you know? that's so cool. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful story. That's awesome. You know, as, as we're talking about people that, that inspire or that are special, um, I think of a mutual friend of ours, Ayapa. Oh, he's amazing. <laughs> he's just like a gem of a human. Yeah. Um, he's, He's not a musician, but he's one of the biggest music lovers I've ever met. Um, he's, wow, what a, what a good-hearted person. Well, and, and what a perfect example of kind of where my core philosophy rests these days, which yeah. is that you don't have to be a musician right. to participate in what I think is a bigger song than all of these songs that were that we're chasing or we're singing or we're trying to do this and that with that there's a, there's a big song yeah, and he's a, he, he's a hell of a set of notes. Yeah, guy, you know? he and, is. I've never met anybody in industry who knows him that doesn't just like falls their knees and just joy when you mention his name, you know, yeah. he's just the, he, he emits such an incredible energy. And he's such a caring person. I think more than almost anybody I've ever met, you know, or well, one of the top people. I think two things that come to mind pretty instantly are, A, that Andrew is how I know Ayapa. Oh, yeah. Because um, Ayapa was um, kind of helping to run the radio campaign. Right, that essentially right. kept us all employed. He's how I met Andrew as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and for those of your listeners who don't know Ayapa, yes. I love him already. <laughs> exactly. You know, just a, a radio wizard and a, yeah. and a, and a connector. Oh, That's the yeah. thing, you know, like he's, this has been a theme of conversation for me these days so much that like, and I, and I think it's another thing to speak to the importance of my relationship with Andrew that his relationship with his fans, mm -hmm. his songs relationship to his fans have constantly grown in me the idea that songs are vessels for connection. Mm -hmm. They're vessels for inspiration and, and change and metamorphosis and collaboration. And so, again, there doesn't have to be a song. Mm -hmm. You don't have to sing. You don't have to be a musician. And... There's something more important than the songs to me. After right. years of obsessing over when will people know this song or will this be the song or whatever, it's like, no. Mm. Every conversation is a song. Every connection is another important 
verse in this whole thing. Right. You know? Definitely. And Ayapa. Oh, man. Yeah. I just, how wonderful this world would be if there were more people like him. <laughs> well, and, and what can we do but, but um, kind of go about the world giving yes. strangers and friends a bit of the friends of ours that we That's right. love. That's right. In in almost I wanna say mimicry kind of, but like that doesn't seem like the right word, but it's the first I know what you're saying. that comes to mind. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like pass it on. Passing that light on. If you on. like yeah. that light, take totally, it, and, totally. it and expand upon it and translate it. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Just go yes, for it. Totally. Yeah. So. Oh man. Um I was gonna ask you because you're such a music guy, um, obviously, what what's something else? I know you love reading too. But what's something else you can get lost in? Maybe that's it. But I don't shouldn't have answered your own question. Um, well, we can always edit. That. Yeah, that's right. sorry, Aaron. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. But I, yeah, reading reading I would say is the thing I get most lost in, and. I was shaking my head yes, and it was moving. Okay, stop. Amazing. Stop. I gotta not do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I music, songwriting, and the act of producing a song into being. Yeah. That's where I tap into a feeling of flow. Yeah. More than anything else. Um, good conversation, really. I mean. I, I can't stress enough that it is, to me, so similar to the act of writing a song yeah. with someone or, or, you know, any kind of intimate act like that is, to me, that it, it approaches oneness, yeah. you know, and, and reading is that because it's a conversation, it's a time right. machine, it's a, it's someone speaking to you maybe from beyond at least across the country or across the world maybe through a translator mm -hmm. or two mm -hmm. and yeah i guess at the core it's all conversation for yeah. me that, that helps me i love i love that thinking about books as a conversation because it's true it really does it flows in you like a conversation doesn't it um if you let it if you, if you let you want it, it to. that's right totally um what are you reading right now I am reading, um, are you familiar with Richard Powers? Have we talked about him? No. I mean, I'm familiar with the name. I don't yeah. know. What has he written? He, he won the Pulitzer or won, I don't know how the Pulitzer works to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's several of them or what. He won, he won the Pulitzer for a book called The Overstory. Oh, that's right. Year. That's right. Yes. I, I want to, it's on my to read list. Oh my God. That's it's why I know his so name. It's <laughs> so gorgeous. It's incredible. Uh... Um, and I... And I got surgery earlier this year and, and was going to be laid up and silent for uh, for a couple of weeks. And so I ordered every single one of his books Aww. online from Thrift Books. Was it because after you read that book, you wanted to read all of them? Yeah, his? I just yeah. wanted to know where this guy came from. Yeah. And he had like 15 other books. And a bunch of them I've gone through in my typical pretty quick, voracious way. And then I'm kind of being challenged and wrestled by this book I'm reading of his now called uh, called The Goldbug Variations, hmm. which is, 
it's a it's structured and he's just such a wizard with this the the book itself is structured like um forgive me i've kind of cheated my way through biology classes throughout <laughs> my life and barely escaped with my life and a grade but um <laughs> it's shaped like a strand of dna in mm. the sense that it's two love stories with a character between the two who's a, a self-described failed geneticist mm. who also loves music and is really just, he's this guy trying to figure out why we're here, what we do about it, how we're made, what is this, what is this program in us? How is it running and what is it running toward? You know, and, and I think that's what Power's whole MO is. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing I resonate with it because I'm, after that same thing. Mm. I know there's no answer and I know I'm certainly not any any more qualified mm. than anyone else to find it. Mm. But I just love it. I just yeah. love the idea that we're like we're miraculous. Mm -hmm. It's so weird that we're here. Right. And it's so fun to to dig into that. And so that book is gosh, I'm like it's taken me forever. I'm I'm almost were... rounding the corner. It's wow. partially because his words and his prose there's such a density uh -huh. to it. Like I could savor a sentence for like an afternoon. Wow. To be like, dude, what? Yeah. Yeah. You wrote that as a part of a whole page. Right, right. In a chapter in a seven hundred page book. What? Oh, that's the best. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Um, I want to circle back actually to when we were talking about the rock bottom stuff. Hmm. Um, Corley's... As the rock bottom often does, it circles back. Uh, is there a... Absolutely. Again. You see it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, as, as you know, because I know you've listened to the podcast, I like to talk about um, when you go through hard times, like what, what helps you to get to the other side of that? Um, so however you would like to answer this question, whether, or maybe it's maybe both when you're going through like a hard day where you just feel not great, or you're going through a real period of your life of just like low, being feeling really low. Um, what are some of the tools that you take out of your toolkit to help you get to the other side? Exercise, mm. um, physical exercise. And I guess that's probably a, a, a supplemental or maybe more central answer to your previous question about what I could lose myself in right. other than music. I love to run. Mm. Um, That's right. You have a sweatshirt. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't make that correlation. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very funny because that was a shirt that we just found on tour and kind of like, it, it was like really? maybe someone's high school cross country shirt and we kind of modified it and oh, that's great. we just had loved it. And, and, and I hilariously, I don't know if this is irony or what we'd have to refer to Alanis Morissette to tell us if it is or not, but I was <laughs> running and I never do this cause I like to disappear when I run. It's an act of obliteration of the self. I think I had my phone with me cause I was on deadline to announce this run of dates, this, mm -hmm. this tour. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be our graphic for it and our whole kind of scheme. Yeah. 
so we were working on the the advertising materials for it and I've got my phone and I'm in Honolulu and I played a couple of shows with Andrew four and two days to be precise and I'm out for a jog I'm like oh, that's my last night in Hawaii I should should get out there and maybe run some of these poolside Mai Tais off you know and and I broke my foot while I was like texting back and forth. I mean, no, that's the, doctor, a <laughs> the doctor said it was probably the straw that broke oh, a decade's yeah. worth of camel's backs or whatever, yeah. you know, but it was, it was so funny. I'm like approving. I'm like, yeah, it's great. It's a killer logo for <laughs> this, this kind of oh, tongue in cheek right. running thing. Ow. Oh, shit. <laughs> Good thing I have my phone because maybe I'll call an Uber back to the hotel, Aww, you know? Right, right. But, um, but yeah, I love to run. And in the time that I was kind of unable to put a whole lot of pressure on my, on my foot mm-hmm. from that, I got back into yoga, mm-hmm. which we had, um, we had my dear friend Jesse McMillan on tour with us, one of the first tours I did with Andrew years ago with Alan Stone and his band and OAR. Uh, some I dear love those friends guys. Of ours. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't put that together. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we have to best. talk about, they're the best people. I oh know. My God. I just so stayed sweet. with Benj and his wife, Kristen Aww. and their little baby Waylon the other night. And oh, oh just so the great. best. Yeah. Good but guys. When we were on tour, Jesse came out, she's married to our, our drummer Jay uh-huh. and she did merch and she taught a yoga class every morning. Oh, amazing. And that was kind of my first time connecting with that as a, as a physical and mental practice. And I got back into it when I couldn't really run this mm-hmm. year and specifically got into Bikram mm-hmm. and, and the simplicity of going through 26 poses and not being in the, I'll, I'll paraphrase Alan Stone's reaction to power flow here and say like that whole realm of like, get down, do the, do the flow, give me your Netflix password. What, you know, <laughs> give me all your credit cards. Shavasana. You know, like, <laughs> I like the, yeah. I like to hold a pose yeah. and like stay there and be like, what if I can't do this anymore? Hmm. But I know I can. And just you know? also just the active like sitting with something and or staying with something rather um yeah. that's why i like restorative yoga because yeah. you hold a pose for like 10 minutes mm. you know and it's not challenging it's just or it can be but usually it's not well i like how in those bikram classes it's kind of like oh, i don't know this is not that big of a deal it's right, kind of cool right and, <laughs> and it's not until like that night when you're like going to bed at 6 30 p.m then you're like oh my god Everything hurts. hurts. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a good kind of hurt. Oh yeah. So, um, who or what has been one of your greatest teachers in life so far? Wow. Um, I would say my dad has been one of my greatest teachers in the sense that I just yesterday or so referred to him as my son simultaneously he's uh he's also my brother he became a completely new person when my mom passed away when i was Mm -hmm. younger and we got to and we continue to get to 
experience change and metamorphosis together. We were forced to at first, but I've gotten to watch this guy grow up in this crazy, fulfilling way that it continues to, to get cooler. You know, he's a, he's a young man now, you know, it's, it's so funny to, to watch. And I think in a, in a more macrocosmic sense, members of that generation mm -hmm. who come from a world more and more prescriptive than ours than we could ever imagine, mm -hmm. um, shedding that first mask yes. that society made them wear male or female or anywhere in between these people who got really looped into the American dream and mm -hmm. are, are finding ways to shake out a self yeah. from underneath that, that structure. Wow. So it is pretty cool about, I mean, that's the thing it's age does not matter, you know, the growth and change can happen at any age. Yeah. You know? And what a, what a thing that kind of runs, counter to at least what I understood to be the goal growing up. Right. It was like, learn all the stuff, get a good grade, go up the ladder and go up and up and up. At least in the terms of like the simple scholastics of the yeah. matter, you know, it was like you keep getting another rung on the ladder and you're going to graduate at some point. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> you're just going to get, yeah. you're just going to change and you're going to, you're going to feel like you're going up and then you're going to fall down and then Absolutely. up and down. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I also think there's an element wrapped up in that ladder climbing exercise where it's like one of these days you're going to have to figure out who you're going to be and choose a career or choose a path. And you know, this, this new friend I was just talking to earlier, this guy, Chris, I asked him where he came from in music or like what his musical path has been in it. And he gave me that perfect and beautiful answer that it's been a surprising path at every turn mm, and it right. keeps changing. He started as one thing mm -hmm. and then surprised himself around every corner. And Oh yeah. I think that's, God, that's, that's the best. It kind of goes so back exciting. to what you were saying at the beginning about being an explorer, you know? It's, that's, yeah. that's the best way to live. Well, it's the best way I've found for me. That's all I can yeah. guarantee. Yeah, same, same. You know, I, yeah. it's, it's exciting. And what, you know, what else can we do? You, I get worried if, if there's any other goal in mind, mm -hmm. you know? And then we're back to that ever-present anxiety right. of being alive. You know? Yeah. Well, I would love to um, ask you some of your things that have really meant something to you, so favorite list of things. Cool. So how about we start with book, like a, a book that's been really meaningful to you? book that's been really meaningful to me... Um, you know... There are so many, it's so it's impossible to declare one. But yeah. the first one that comes to mind is a very trippy, probably not very well known book by a guy named Stanley Cavell, mm -hmm. who was 
uh, philosophy professor um, at Harvard who I had to read as just part of school at some point. And it's a book called Little Did I Know. Mm. And it's his non-chronological memoirs mm. written in his 80s. And he was a classically trained piano player, went to school for music, played in orchestras, um, and kind of fell into all these different career paths and found himself a philosopher mm. by trade. And um, I had a college professor who was very, very kind to let me leave all the time and just go do a tour or make a record. And I ended up writing my, my thesis in that class on, um, on a record that I made out here with a group that we called Smoke Signals. Um, and I remember him just being like, dude, you've got to read this book. I think it's going to be really special for you. And, and yeah, the, the core of it that I think is worth sharing and I share it with as many people as I can whenever I get the chance is that there's this moment that he describes where he's playing, I think, I want to say he's playing clarinet in, in the orchestra for a student composition somewhere at school. And uh, the guy next to him is playing a, another reed instrument in another key. And his reed breaks. I don't really know how those instruments work necessarily, so forgive me. But the guy turns to him and just goes, I can't play the solo. The solo's coming up. And Stanley transposes the solo to his key, plays it on his clarinet. No one is the wiser. Wow. The, the song goes on, the piece goes on. Mm. And decades later, he goes for his interview for the position that he died holding. Mm. Um, and the interview, as I remember it in his memoirs, is less an interview and more of just this guy saying to him, hey, you've got the job and I just want to tell you why. It's because a friend of mine told me that his read once gave out on him during a student performance and he asked you what he should do and you wow. transposed the solo. That's why I want you to have this gig. Oh, it's so beautiful. So that, that book's very special to me because it reminds me every day thinking about that story that everything you do every time you open your mouth yes you are potentially interviewing for a job you don't even know exists oh that's powerful you know? yes yes or or making space for a relationship you could have never dreamed of absolutely or, you know yeah so. or impacting a life in a way you couldn't imagine or a life that doesn't exist yet that's right you know um i'm so excited to read that book thank mm. you for sharing that this is going to be another tough one to ask you, but how about a favorite album or song? <sighs> Netherlands by Dan Fogelberg. Mm. Um, I keep coming back to it. It keeps a place so deep within me that I can't quite describe it. And I don't say that one with any intention for anyone else to necessarily pick that record up and be as fundamentally altered by it as I was and continue to be. Cause I don't, 
I don't know. Mm. Not everything hits everyone the same way, of course. But everybody but, has that feeling. Yeah, I mean, when I was very young, it was one of a few records that we had. I ripped the tone arm off the family record player when I was very young, and so we started over with a few CDs, I think, sometime in the late 80s. And uh, I taped that one, or I had my parents tape it for me, and I wouldn't go to sleep unless it was on. Mm. And, and it's this orchestral pop, like, it's very much like... A, a hallucinatory journey I find and I have always found before I really had the words or the experience for that um, lyrically it's it's approaching proverbial in, in places for me these really nice little pieces of wisdom and I don't know he's just a he's just always been such an inspiring writer and producer and mm. and melodic mind awesome. so that's that's the record for me that's great uh how about a favorite podcast um i just recently was turned on to one that i feel is going to become a favorite um that is revisionist history mm. malcolm gladwell yeah have you Seems... read his latest i haven't oh wow well i would recommend I listened to it on Audible. Is that Talking with Strangers? Or is yes. That, okay, yeah, he 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 mentioned it in um, his... Uh... Yeah, I haven't listened to the pod, his podcast yet, but the um, if you're going to read the book, I, I I would recommend listening to it because he... He narrates it? He narrates it, but he also puts a lot of um, conversations and actual footage of things in the... the cool. Yeah, so it's it's really feels like a living thing, and um, it feels like listening to a podcast. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to love that podcast, and it sounds like I love that book. I've really loved Brian Koppelman mm -hmm. over the years. Um, I like Joe Pug's podcast. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, it's a good the one. The Working Songwriter, is yeah, that what it's called? Yeah, that's what it's called, yeah. He's so cool. He's so intelligent, and he has an emotional places that he goes with yes, these, these people. Yes. He's very intuitive. He's got incredible guests on there. Yeah. Um, I I check in with Mark Maron from time to time, and I check in with uh, with Joe Rogan from time to time. Nice. Though sometimes not past the four and a half hour mark or whatever. Right, you know? right. But I love them all, and I think my favorite thing of all these days, if I'm to choose like a favorite podcast, it's not a podcast. It's this collection of Alan Watts speeches. Oh yeah. It's called You're It. Yeah. And it's. I think uh, a reference to some Sanskrit term that's like, it just means you're it. Like if you're looking for the answer, you're it. Mm. If you're looking for the the method of existence to which we're all innately bound, whether we like it or not, it's hide and seek and you're it. Mm. You're the one hiding and you're the one seeking. And if you're lucky enough to find anything, it's going to be you. So I really, it, That's those, I just love it. He's just kind of like, kind of in the car with me wherever I go, babbling about, That's great. about being. Yes. So. Awesome. Thank you for those, those great podcasts. Um, you can edit most of them out. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that was really, I think 
those are some great recommendations. How about a favorite word? Whoa. Um, <laughs> the, I'm just going to go with my instant yes. knee-jerk reaction here. And one of my favorite words is a word that I always hear in the voice of one of my favorite people, mm. Joe Bolero. Mm. It's fabulous. That's such a good word. I just love that yeah. word, and and uh, and I I love you know making a plan with Joe to make a record or or do a show or do a, a tour, and he's like, oh, that sounds fabulous. Oh, I that love that. Fabulous. You know, that's great. So yeah, love that. Um, and so lastly, a favorite memory. <sighs> a favorite memory. My favorite memory that comes to mind often that I can divide mm -hmm. my life in parts before and after this moment. It might seem a little silly and it might seem a little uh, inappropriate to some, but uh, a, a group of us on, on tour years and years ago, um, myself and, and my, my tour mates, we all used to stay at campgrounds we'd stay at koas we'd bring the buses in and we played red rocks and a, a dear friend and old tour mate of some of ours came to red rocks with a gift as uh, a gift i believe he or a friend had grown in his, his garden or in the house or something wherever you grow mushrooms and we ended up doing yoga in a campground in west omaha and i'll just never forget kind of being in this one yoga posture, looking through my own limbs at the forest and really thinking in this one brief but extremely deep moment how fabulous hmm. this all is, how incredible and ornate and interwoven the world is and, and the concept of being is. And then all of a sudden... Alan Stone walked by because he wasn't doing yoga with us and he just yelled out, Killer Pose, Jay! And I fell over onto McMahon and <laughs> we just started laughing. And, that's and great. To me, that's like a, it's a central memory of my life that, that in one moment I was able to be struck by the, the total, timeless, infinite wonder of it all and then to be reduced to laughter at the fact that I was like twisted up like a pretzel. And <laughs> yes, yes. Alan Stone was making fun of how one of us looked. Right. And, you know, it's, to me, that's it. That's it. It's simultaneously awe-inspiring and utterly hilarious. Totally, Here we are. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Zach. This of was course. lovely. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Musings of the Artist is audio produced by Aaron Mooring, and the theme music is by Ilan Isakoff. <laughs>